今次の放送は晩によるファンのためのファン放送ポッドキャルチアポッドキャストでこの番組はランドスパンダーやりくの財布の敵を日程送りますUh, per Derek, the second Toku show we'll be discussing is Ultra 7X. Yeah. Now, if you, if you listen to the Juojur Toku episode that we did, you may remember I mentioned the Toei Year of the Superhero Project, which is kind of a special celebration because this year is the, it's the 45th anniversary of Kamen Rider, and it's the 40th anniversary for Super Sentai, so they're going to be doing some special projects and you know I, at the time i was theorizing you know what other projects they were going to do well they kind of surprised us you know a few weeks before this even premiered with this common rider amazon series which is uh kind of a take on the showa series amazon and it's exclusively streaming on amazon japan yeah i was like is that is that by design is that intentional <laughs> like are they trying to be like super witty where they're like They've got Kamen Rider Amazons on Amazon Prime in Japan, and they can stream it there. I was like, it's pretty clever if it is. Like, I, I thought that was kind of cool. Clever girl. Yeah. <laughs> but first, I'll kind of give a little back history with uh, the Showa series, because it's kind of a... Amazon is kind of an odd duck, but I really like it. Um, the original Showa series ran from 74 to 75 for a total of 24 episodes in one movie, which is the shortest of any common writer series because usually they run for about 45, 46, 50 episodes. And Amazon was the first of the Showa writers to not be a cyborg or, you know, as, as those shows say, Kaizo Ningen. And he was also the first not to be modeled after a grasshopper or an insect, you know, because uh, all, all the others were kind of insect-based or, you know, like Stronger, which was uh, Kabuto-based. I guess the real big difference when you watch Amazon is, like, it's really violent. Like, there's all kinds of scenes of Amazon, like, running around. He's cutting monsters in half. He's chopping their heads off. He's tearing off pieces with his mouth. And, like, while all this is happening, like, these scenes are replete with, like, rivers of fake blood just flowing out of, like, 
you know, body parts and limbs and everything. Like it's, you know, it, if you've seen it, like you know what I'm talking about. But it's kind of like, like the first time I watched it, I was like, holy crap! Like he, he just cut this guy in half, or like he, he like he was just fighting this monster, and like, well, there goes his head, and now blood, blood spreading everywhere. I, I feel like the original show has that it falls into that same era of 70s tokusatsu where i i watch things whether it's like leo or kakaida or anything like that or even some of the previous shows like i remember when i was first looking at like v3 and you, you sort of feel bad for all the characters because a lot of their initial supporting cast seems to go the way of a dinosaur pretty early on and there's lots of terrible things that happen to you know supporting characters or bystanders and things like that and kind of like you you're sitting there going holy crap like you know the webbing just ate this guy's face oh my god you know like and you're freaking out about stuff like that i i kind of thought you would like it and i i don't know if you you can uh confirm this or, or deny it but i mean amazon seemed to me at least in his civilian identity to remind me a lot of you know tarzan or kazar yeah. and i know you're you're explicitly fond of, of characters like that. So it's almost like you get, you know, a character who is essentially Tarzan-like, but he also, you know, turns into a, a common writer. Yeah, I think I mentioned that on some other show that we did where we were talking about common writer or something. But yeah, like uh, Amazon's civilian identity is pretty much a Tarzan-like takeoff. Like he was he was this Japanese kid who grew up in the Amazon jungle Amazon is like it's this weird mix. It's like you know it's a common writer show, and you've got this civilian guy who is kind of a Tarzan like character, and then you've got these like rivers of flowing blood and these weird like monsters like with like you know ten faces. So it's kind of like this weird like mix of like you know common writer Tarzan and like horror elements. Like it's it's really bizarre. But we'll go ahead and jump into the first episode of Common Writer Amazons. Um, first I'll just go ahead like I'm not gonna do a complete like blow by blow like synopsis of the episode or anything we'll just i'll just kind of give a brief overview and point out some things but like first thing i want to point out is there are there are some familiar uh faces in this series like if you're a fan of different toku shows first is Romba baba who he he was blue buster in go busters and in this series he is yusuke taki and also is masashi tanaguchi uh, he was Go Blue on Go Go 5, and in this series, he is Jin Takayama, a.k.a. Uh, Kamen Rider Amazon Alpha. As, as I was calling him, Kamen Rider Raw Eggman. <laughs> Mr. Chicken. Chicken, he clucked. Episode 1 kind of sets up things, and at first we have this team of exterminators, and basically they're hired to find and eliminate experiments called Amazons. And one member of this team, Mamoru, is an Amazon himself. He becomes Mogra. As they're going through this house, they encounter Spider-Man, which is kind of a throwback to the original Kamen Rider series. In the first episode of Kamen Rider, the very first uh, bad guy that we see is Spider-Man. And in the next episode it's is... Batman? Uh, yeah, it's Batman. I was like, yeah. I, I remember when I was watching the original Kamen Rider, I'm like, what's next? Are you going to fight Aquaman next? Like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, so that, that's kind of like a, a little, like, you know, a nod to the original Common Rider. It's also theory. kind of a nod to the original Amazon, right? Because they have that spider Amazon or whatever that I was talking about that, like, has the webbing that, you know, kills all those people in that first episode, too. So it's kind of similar to that, too. Yeah, but we have this team that's kind of tasked with finding these experiments. 
they're kind of they kind of feel like a mercenary team because they're basically they're paid to find and eliminate these monsters. Yeah, they seem to have all these like different class levels of the type of Amazons they're hunting down. Like I guess this spider monster they hunt down in the initial sequence is considered like a class D. And of course, I guess, you know, the higher the class is, probably the harder it is to kill, but also it varies the amount of money or yen they collect depending on the class of the the experiment that they're hunting down. And there's like that funny sequence. Like, you know, I, I kept thinking about my job when I was watching that because you have all the exterminators show up, but they they're sort of almost disguised as exterminators, but then they take off their exterminator clothes and they're like basically trained, you know, assassins or something like that. You know, they're they're kind of like a black ops wet works team or something like yeah. that in disguise. But meanwhile, there's the one guy who is doing like crowd control and he's still in his sort of exterminator smock and he has to talk to this old lady and like sort of convince her like oh you know mr so-and-so's just fine we're doing some bug cleanup and everything oh you have a dog really that's great you know like and, and it's just like <laughs> one of those things where you're you know if, if you've ever been in a customer service industry you know there's those moments where you're paying lip service to somebody and all you really yeah. want to do is like get off the phone get, get out of the street <laughs> go home like that's all he wants this lady to do but it's like you know eventually they're like oh man mr talkie too is still out there talking it up with the old lady and he can't be bothered to come in here and help us you know take down this you know crazy spider monster and stuff like that so that that kind of made me laugh these opening scenes they kind of remind me of like some of the more recent resident evil games where you have like this kind of like you know kind of like covert like militaristic wetworks team that go in uh, and you know, intent into some like weird, spooky environment to eliminate a monster. Like, you know, I've I've been playing Resident Evil Five and Six here lately, and that's that's kind of what the, what these opening scenes reminded me of. Yeah, the 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 way the series is shot, also, it made me think of how I, you know, I guess in some ways it's a criticism leveled against like the the Snyder, you know, Superman and Batman films and all this other kind of stuff. But the whole aspect of you, you feel like it's kind of saturated like there's not a lot of bright colors that you can sort of gleam onto like it, it always feels like even though it's not necessarily raining it's like everything looks like it does after a sort of fresh rain with clouds in the sky if that makes any sense like yeah. you, you kind of always have that sort of ominous look to everything that goes through the camera filter and like you know in this sense i i was like i think it it works for the show you know i i sort of thought that that you you were not missold on the visual appearance of the show like you kind of know what you're getting in for i i was a little apprehensive because i was wondering if this was going to be I, I was wondering if it was going to be like i kind of described certain things as like guyver-esque or mm. kind of you know the did tend to remind me a little bit of the the shin common rider movie i saw you know where i was like oh you know like in these initial sequences it's like you you described it as resident evil so if somebody kind of goes in and is expecting common rider way up front like you do have this underlining world building going on that's sort of not related to traditional common rider stuff right up front like you sort of have to you know co go along for that ride of of what's going on you know, in the background of the world and everything. Yeah, and I think the 
the lack of like bright colors is kind of like to differentiate it from the like I said the Common Rider Ghost, which is the main or uh, ongoing series, which which is targeted at kids. And I read a, I read a little snippet of an interview where the producers of this year, this series I can't remember the exact quote I should have looked it up, but basically he said something like, "Do you think Common Rider has been exciting lately? I don't, and I want to make it exciting." So, like, I guess this is his way of making Common Rider exciting. And I believe he worked on some of the early Heisei Common Rider shows. Yeah, I think I think I know which quote you're talking about because I think I saw it on the wiki. I I wondered if those were like fighting words to people, like depending on what side of the spectrum you fall on, because I I could see somebody saying that in other genres, and you could get it to apply to say like pre-crisis DC comics and new 52 DC comics and people getting angry one way or the other, depending on who said it and, you know, what they were sort of saying about the other genres, you know, like, cause I, I guess it's funny for me. Cause I, I guess I sort of agree with it if it is ghost, because like we've discussed, I haven't really keyed into ghost at this point. You know, I, I've seen ghost, toward the end of Drive when he had some of his cameos and stuff, and I tried to watch the first episode and wasn't that keen on it. I know I know my buddy John Vanover really loves it, and he's ordered all the figure arts and everything, and he seems <laughs> to be, like, totally on board for it. So, I mean, I think there's something to be said that, like, every show is somebody's first common writer show, probably. And, you know, if, if he was saying it about Gaim or Drive, I might be like, you know, what you trying hey, to say? What you trying to say? But yeah. they're like, what's up with that? You know, so I, I could see how people could could take it like different ways depending on you know w- what they think it's in reference to. And then I guess there's the other aspect to it as well that it, just because something is dark and violent and bloody doesn't necessarily make it exciting and enjoyable. Now I'm not going to say that this wasn't very. This was definitely, like, fascinating to watch. Like, I was gripped and kind of into what was going on on the screen. So so I'm not going to say that he, you know, he doesn't deserve to say something like that in terms of the, the content they've created. I mean, I was obviously, you know, gripped by what was going on. But, you know, in some cases, you know, you could easily say, well, this is just, you know, HBO Spawn. And it's like, you, you know, yeah, you're gripped because there's a dead guy coming out of the grave and going you fucked up you know and you're like what is this you know and, and like there is that aspect to it as well where it's it's kind of sensationalized violence and stuff like that that's going on but i mean i i, I thought everything was done pretty well i mean the, the only the only thing i might say is like the the spider amazon monster that they come across when they do this extermination like it looked super creepy and slimy and all that kind of stuff but i think I feel like once you start getting a closer look at the different suits, like if they weren't so saturated, I I do feel a little bit of, I I don't want to say like costume shame, but like (laughs) sort of like, like doesn't this look super cool and hardcore edge? And like, all you'd need to do is like shine a lamp on it and go, "Mm, no, not exactly. Like not, not quite white you know it's like it's like as long as it's in the shadows and they do some creepy like slimy things and you know stuff like that then you're like okay i get it i see what's going on but i did have moments where i'm like dude that's just a dude in a suit with some bat wings and like you're you're trying way too hard to sell this as like grim and gritty and real and crusty and you know you know 
everything's you know dark and stuff like that too so so i i, I was sort of conflicted on that i mean I, I i totally enjoyed it you know watching it and stuff and i was gripped by it but i i could see I could see people arguing for either or part of that spectrum, you know, and, and based on the the comments that the producer made, you know, like some people might just be for it because it was coming from somebody who produced common writer content that they enjoy, you know, previously, you know, like whether it's the Heisei era or whatever. But, you know, I, I, I was kind of like, you know, I, I did have that moment was, is he talking about God? Motherfucker talking about God? Like, <laughs> I can fucking punch a motherfucker out, you know? So, but yeah, no, I, I, I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, as far as like when they go in and look at everything, I, can we, can we talk about the, cause you sort of already said that, that uh, one of the team members is a, an experiment himself like he's he's an amazon himself the the member of the team the guy mamaru who turns into that's kind of what brought up my whole guyver comparison because it was like one of those things where he transforms but at the time i was like into what does he transform into exactly like he kind of looks blocky and he's wearing clearly you know some kind of tokusatsu suit but i wasn't quite sure what it was and everything was dark and saturated and he's fighting this spider thing and i i you know he, he sort of erupts in this red light and then you know he's enveloped in this suit so i just kind of thought of him as like kind of like a guyver guy because i couldn't my my eyes couldn't discern like well what is he supposed to be exactly and then i think later i read that he was described as the mole amazon and i was kind of like oh okay Okay, like like now now that I was told that I could sort of look at his head and features and kind of go, oh, okay, so he was supposed to be like a burrowing type character, but I I don't think I really got that from the story or the visuals, if that makes any sense. Well, I I kind of knew he was a mole, like the his you know the drill on his little snout, and then when it opened up, I was like, okay, he's mole, but really it's like having a mole monster on Amazon, like, that itself is a reference to the Showa series because, like, in the Showa series, Mulgra was... He was a monster of the week, but he eventually became an ally of the Showa Amazon. And there was kind of a little story arc with that character, and he's 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 kind of beloved in the in the series. Like, he... he, he I don't I don't want to spoil it. Like, I'll, I'll just say that, like, he, he has a very, like, defining moment in the series. So I think I think that's why they have uh, Mulgra in there. I yeah I, I I did not know that um, I had no idea that that uh, Mamaru Mole Amazon was part of the original Showa series, but but it seems like I guess there are I I mean I guess you would expect something that's titled Amazons would have throwbacks to the original Amazon show. Yeah, and and another thing is those little. Um, you probably notice those armbands that uh, the Amazons and, and uh, the other monsters have, like when they when you when they kill the Spider-Man or whatever, like they dissolve into this little puddle of goo and they pick up the little armband. Like that's another carryover from the Showa series, though. In the Showa series, it was called like a Gigi bracelet. It was something the bad guys were after, and you know the the civilian Tarzan identity of Amazon, like he steals it and uses its power against these guys. But in this series, it seems like it's kind of a uh, source of power or power regulation for all of these Amazon experience, uh, experiments. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because you you know when when people are revealed as being an Amazon, you you end up seeing they all have that regulator, basically, like you're saying, like and it either lights up or sort of 
you know, exposes them as as Amazons and stuff like that. The um the other comparison that I you know made in my head briefly that I just jotted down as a as a note was for the spider Amazon guy. Like the other thing he reminded me of a lot is is sectars. Like you remember the guy that had the he was like the spider guy and he rode on his own little spider and like you could stick your hand up the the toy and like he would you know basically like you know your hand would be the the arms and legs of the little spider monster like that's kind of mm. what it reminded me of because he was kind of like in the in the original show he was kind of a little more furry but in this he was a little more slimy but put it this way if if you're creeped out by bugs or you have a girlfriend that's creeped out by bugs like this is probably something that you don't want to watch with that person because there's lots of slimy creepy buggy type things in this in this uh, piece uh, another one of our main characters is Haruka, and he's kind of being he's being kept isolated, and he's fed a like a steady diet of like pills and medicine, and he kind of has these like weird like flashes of memories of like being caged, and he, he's not allowed to go outside and uh, or really to have contact with anyone. Like he's there's this uh, this girl who brings him like aquarium equipment, and they have a very brief conversation and then the girl's mother comes in and she's like you know you're not supposed to be talking to him and we're kind of like what, what's wrong with this guy like he seems perfectly normal but later on we'll see that like he he's totally not perfectly normal because he like goes off his meds and completely freaks out it it um, seemed like at first like he was supposed to be or at least the cover story that the mother the her name's misusawa like the i guess she was like the a group of of mercenaries like they actually talk to her in a previous scene and you see like her getting slowly frustrated the more they question her you know because she keeps tapping her pencil or whatever and it's like you know the more they try to pry into specifics of the business the more she's like that's not part of our agreement we don't want any questions we just want you to clean up our mess you know and that kind of thing and then what's interesting is the the girl mizuki like comes over and it seems like she you know she's kind of sweet on this guy haruka or at least she she's taken you know i I, you know she cares for him somehow you know one way or the other and you know she's obviously going to visit him after school and all this other kind of stuff and then he kind of is talking to her about this fish aquarium that he's got set up in his little a bubble basically like because it seems like he's he's like a a person that you know maybe is afflicted with something where you know like i i forget what the condition's called but basically like any dust any contagion you know that if they pick up a germ they'll be infected right away or something so it's like you've got people that are basically you know living in isolation you know they they need to have a a clean room basically to stay in and part of me was thinking oh i wonder if that's what it is like he's gonna he's gonna get exposed or something if he goes outside or something like that but she comes over and and looking at this fish tank and everything like that and then there's that weird moment where he kind of compares his own room that he's been given to an aquarium as well and you feel kind of weird where you're like oh like that's that's kind of weird like he can't leave like like that he's kind of locked up or whatever and and then um and then that's when you were talking about when the mother comes home and is like what the hell are you doing here get the hell out of here like that kind of thing and she's she's like are you taking your meds all right then keep taking your meds you know <laughs> so 
like I was sitting here thinking, like after he breaks out, I was like, if this was such a big deal, like if he's such a big issue with her, like you think they would have contained him better? Cause like he just like walks out, like they don't have like a camera or locks or sensors or anything. Like, you, like you think they'd like have this guy locked down or something? Yeah, you know, like the, the I guess that's a good point that you bring that up because that that sort of I guess as our buddy Martz likes to say in some of his videos, that's a bit of plot convenience or whatever, like so he can get outside and everything. But the the other thing that I thought was interesting is like this whole time they're taking down these Amazons. I'm like, okay, like when I originally was watching it, even though there were certain mercenaries, like there's the girl and I think her name was Nozomi and she was like this frisky little girl badass. I guess it's supposed to be like, you know, women's lib and girl power and like she's probably the best fighter on this team of male mercenaries and everything. And it's like, you know, she looks like somebody like in a James Bond movie that would just, you know, run up to James Bond and do a whole, you know, on a top and like grab him <laughs> by, you know, her legs and try to crunch him and like stab him to death like 400 times or something like that's She just seems like super frisky and like she's bouncing around walls and slicing up the, the monster and everything. And like, you know, among that, they're sort of tasing it, I guess, you know, like with these electric guns and everything. So I, I kept wondering, like, so I'm like, are they trying to capture it? Like, is that part of the deal? Like, I couldn't figure it out. And then, like, eventually, at some point, they, they really do basically destroy it, and it sort of melts. And then and then that piece that you were talking about, the, the fixture that's sort of the armband that's on most of the people that identifies them as an experiment, as an Amazon, it seems like that's what's left in this goop. And then they're going to bring that back to the company, and that's basically how they get their, you know, the, their their money for services rendered essentially like here's your you know this is what you asked for here's your thing and and i was like trying to rationalize okay they don't want to destroy that little armband so that's why they were sort of playing with it with kid gloves like it, it just didn't seem like they went straight in and just you know blew its head off and then that's the end of it it's like it, it seemed like you know part of it was that it was stretched out so you could have this elongated fight sequence and it's part of the entertainment value of the piece but like kind of like you're wondering about why Haruka doesn't have like a, you know, I don't know, surveillance cameras or, you know, like, like some, basically if it was such a, like you're saying, if it's such a concern, you know, if it's such a concern that he takes his daily dosage, it's like, can't you like, you know, force him to do it? Or can't you, you, you know, you'd think there'd be a way to like gauge that better than her just, you know, running back into the room after he's escaped and going, haha, he hasn't been taking his dosage for the last day. <laughs> like, you know, and it's like one of those things yeah. where it's like you, you'd think, you know, like you're saying, if it if it was such a big deal, there, there'd be a lot more regulation or, or strictness to to how that, you know, if she's so concerned about her daughter you know, maybe the room would be locked. Maybe you'd have to have a fingerprint to get inside. You know, maybe you'd have to have a fingerprint to leave, you know, like, I, I don't know. Like, but yeah, yeah, it's an interesting point that you bring up that I, I don't think I, I dwelled on that too much, but, but it does seem to be sort of a little, you know, a convenient plot hole so that things could keep moving forward in the story. A bit later on in the episode, um, we see this couple driving around and they're seemingly lost and then, the male driver kind of starts to freak out, and he turns into another Spider-Man. And then we see another Amazon, Batman, appears, and they make a snack out of this yellow young girl. And then the exterminators, like, they've they've cashed in their bonus, and they've had a night of drinking, and they're all, like, sleeping and hungover. And 
they get a call that another Amazon has appeared, and they go out and begin to the search from, for him. And then things start to start to go bad pretty quickly from there. Like Spider-Man and Batman, they're fighting the exterminators. And then Yusuke, like I said, who, who was better known as Blue Buster, like he starts to totally freak out and he turns into an Amazon, like he's a dragonfly Amazon. And then like into all this, like Haruka is stumbling around. He wanders into the battle. And then at the very end of the episode, our mysterious chicken feeder shows up. He pulls out a belt that looks very similar to the Showa Amazon belt. He puts it on and trans transforms into a uh, red Amazon. I, I, Amazon. I did have this moment of, oh, thank God. Because, <laughs> like I was saying, there was lots of this kind of Giver common Rider Shin stuff. You know, people not doing traditional common Rider stuff and basically sort of monstering out. You know, I mean, it seemed like it was this kind of, Japanese version of you know the Wolfman meets Frankenstein meets Dracula meets whatever and I was just <laughs> I was kind of happy to see like basically it'd be like if you had a whole kind of horror piece like that with a bunch of universal monsters and then finally somebody comes in there and like rips off their shirt and they've got like a superhero emblem on the bottom I was like okay thank god like something something familiar <laughs> like something like that like that this this guy's gonna be all right like he's not gonna be such a such a nasty person like hopefully you know like that that's kind of what i was hoping for like that there was some you know to me i was like oh look tradition like i can i can i can gleam onto this because i know what this is like like he's gonna turn into like a common rider and i'm like great like now 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 i felt like i had my you know a lot of stuff was weird up to this point and i wasn't 100 percent sure what was going on but when that scene happened i was like okay yeah he's a little weird he eats raw eggs he's feeding the chickens <laughs> he's he's got either a, a daughter or a girlfriend or something that he kissed goodbye you know at an apartment somewhere and everything so i'm like okay like we don't know too much about him and he's kind of keeping tabs on that mercenary team it seems like because he put some kind yeah. of surveillance device on their their van or whatever and stuff like that and then you know when he comes in there they're kind of like who the fuck are you and he's kind of like eating his eggs and transforming and stuff and it's like okay cool like like at least i know sort of what this is and then finally harika finishes freaking out and he trans into he transforms into a green amazon and the episode finally ends yeah i thought it was pretty cool i i i was kind of you you sort of feel sad for all these people like because it's such a i don't know maybe it's just me like like i never was super fond of of transformations in any form like another comparison i thought of is like you know the the old you know brundle fly remake you know with jeff goldblum you mm. know where he's like slowly turning into a fly essentially it's like it's like that's what some of these things sort of feel like like it, it's not so much you know that that's why the belt thing made me feel a little better because it's like okay you tweak a belt and then you turn into a superhero and that's that but it seems like with these other guys it's like they their skin gets all creepy and and there's there's limbs and weird shit popping out of their skin and you know it's, it's almost like this painful transformation where you're like oh can they can they go back to normal after that like what can they do and and obviously it seems like they're forced to sort of because you know i guess one thing you're talking about the violence it's like you know in the initial extermination it's like oh you know make sure there's not any leftover arms and body parts and they talk about how the spiders <laughs> are like messy eaters and they leave lots of leftovers and then that poor girl with the dyed hair that you said like batman and the spider thing eat or whatever it's just like one of those things where you're like well I guess you make that connection when you see the guy Yusuke 
you know, and you're like, oh, wait, well, he's just a dude and he ate sake and was sleeping with all his teammates. But at any point he could turn into this dragonfly thing and maybe have to eat one of them, you know, like, so you're like, oh, well, that's kind of like a, a horrendous, monstrous existence, right? Like kind of like being a werewolf or, or whatever you want to compare it to, you know? So then in that aspect, I was kind of like, yeah, this is kind of horrible for, for, you know, not only the victim, but the the actual victimizer, I guess, because he's he's got that kind of Jekyll Hyde thing going on, you know, the kind of Bruce Banner Hulk thing where he's not really, you know, strictly speaking, you know, you, you imagine he's not super in control of his actions. I mean, the, the one guy who does the mole stuff, he doesn't seem so bad. He just seems like kind of like a dumb kid who is going along with like all his buddies out of peer pressure or something like that, you know. Yeah. I think another thing that differentiates uh differentiates this from like Kamen Rider Ghost is you know like you said it it has a different look and it's kind of filmed differently it, it looks bleak and maybe a little washed out but also like it's not flashy at all like the fights in this like they're they're very brutal you know like you said there's you know spider limbs flying about about and, and people getting sliced and cut and shot and stabbed and kicked but like you know in a normal Kamen Rider series we see all kinds of like you know flashy visuals you know like a uh, an energy effect around a fist or you know lasers flying and all kinds of like little sparks of explosions on the creatures but we don't really get any of that in this series yeah it's it, the, the atmosphere i guess is different it's more about the like you said the sort of saturation of the film and maybe like some smoke or some i guess you know i i mean there is that point where they transform and it, it looks like it's kind of like almost like they're on fire or something or they're they're heated up or something and then like like you said the result of that is maybe minor cgi where they kind of look red but for the most part it's like you know it it is kind of like more of a organic transformation i guess i i think that's why i compared it to like things like giver or brundlefly or what have you because it's not it's not so much, you know, oh, you know, uh, a blinding flash of light or, you know, uh, a belt rotates and all of a sudden, you know, these cybernetic, you know, costume pieces come on or whatever. This this more feels like, you know, you had a human looking shoulder and then all of a sudden, you know, a Rob Liefeld shoulder like penetrates out of your existing flesh. And now you look like, you know, Cable with his, you know shit log shoulders or whatever and you're like oh you know and it's like and you're like wait that pushed out of my that pushed out of my flesh like weird i'm scared you know like that kind of thing so so yeah there's there's definitely uh a, a, a shift in tone as far as that goes you know and, and then like you said versus like the sort of bright colors and 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 i guess in some ways the i don't know how to explain it it's almost like the hd kind of video look of a lot of the recent common writer shows where everything seems crystal clear and this is probably i mean made for hd televisions but it just doesn't seem so so video i guess is the best way i can describe it like this this seems like it's saturated enough that that it looks kind of like grainy and filmy you know like that that it's actually trying to evoke that kind of you know film on a television budget type vibe or something so is this something that that you're definitely on board for moving forward like are you are you enticed like does this does this violate any tenets of your previous <laughs> fascination with the original series like i mean as far as i can tell this these are all new characters even though they're 
homaging certain characters from the original series. So in that regard, it's not like maybe they're stepping on any any classic characters' toes or anything like that. Right. I think I read another interview somewhere where um, the producer said like this would not contradict you know any any previous uh, show show uh, shows, including uh, especially Amazon. So like I was pleased with that. But but yeah, like what I saw. Like it was kind of a slow burn until the end, but like I liked it. You know, it's, it's definitely it's you know it's like like we said, it's more mature, it's more adult, or you know, it like it lacks flash. It's not like crystal clear. It's kind of murky. I you know I like that. I like that it's a I like that it's totally different from Ghost. You know, like I said on the our our show, like I'm not a fan of Ghost. Like I guess I should say like you know I was kind of talking trash about Nin Ninja and and Ghost. But like I went back and I gave Nin Ninja a second look, um, because I hadn't even got to where the the Six Ranger shows up, so like I started from there, and I really liked Nin Ninja. Like I really when the when the series was over, I was like, you know what? Like I really like that. You know, I, sometimes like you just have to like you just have to push you have to push through those like initial episodes. But like for Ghost, um, I did go back and watch some episodes mostly because of the Juojo crossover, and I didn't want to like leap ahead 10 episodes and be confused but like man it it was so hard to get through those episodes you, you know like when you're watching a series and you're just like oh come on like come on like let's let's get through this like this is gonna be hard but you know like we gotta do this like uh, you, you probably feel that way when you're like you know watching something for history of comics on film i'm sure but like man it was just really rough like i do not like ghosts like i gave it a second try yeah, yeah. like the story the story has like improved but those like stupid moron idiot like shrill characters they're still there they're still like stupid moron idiots they're still like freaking out like spazzing out like no no normal person would like spaz out that bad like that much they're complete cartoon characters of people and like i i just can't <laughs> i'm going on and on about it but like i just i do not like ghost i can't get into it like you know i do not want <laughs> Well, this is this is definitely counter programming to what's currently on the air. And the other thing I thought it was worth mentioning that that I I don't think I knew when I was watching this, but by the time it got to the middle of it, I I thought to myself, man, I've been watching this for a really long time. Like I I think I honestly expected this to be another you know twenty something minute you know half hour episode, uh, you know, of like most common writer series are. But it turns out that this is, since it's, you know, made for streaming and on-demand viewing, that it was like 40-something minutes. So I was kind of like, oh, this is, you know, essentially it's an hour-long drama, which, I don't, I don't know, are there many Common Rider series that are quote-unquote hour-long dramas? Is this the first, or is this, is this, this is obviously a rarity in Common Rider. Yeah, I, I don't think there are any that are, that are this long, unless I'm like, forgetting something you know like aside from like one-off specials and things like that like i think this is the longest series yeah because I, I i mean i i agree with what you're saying that it's a slow burn but in, in that sense i mean none of the characters are cartoonish and also it does do a good job of setting up the world that you're going to be living with for the next you know i don't know 12 or so episodes so i i mean i i think in that regard it's like yeah i guess you could make some argument that you know it's it's super violent and it's it's trying to trend on the idea that if you have blood and guts and something it makes it more adult but i mean it it does seem to definitely be you know counter to to what's on the air right now so 
I mean, I, I guess in, in that sense, like if you're if you're jonesing for something like that, you know, basically, I, I mean, it, you know, nobody's saying anything's wrong with build fighters. Right. But it's like if you want something that is universal century Gundam, I think that's what Thunderbolt's for. You know what I mean? And this this much like Thunderbolt is the, this kind of, you know, original video animation type thing, you know, like, you know, obviously this is not animation, but Thunderbolt is. And like, you know, it's it's that same idea of we're, we're going to appeal to, uh, you know, a more adult market with this franchise property because we have fans that go through, you know, that, that are of all age varieties and, and some of them want something a little more, just a little more at their level, I guess, you know, and it's like, no, nobody's saying like, oh, the, the hell with build fighters, you know, or anything like that. But it's like, it, it's just kind of saying, hey, if, if you're, if, if build fighters is not your thing, come check out this thing. Or if, if this thing is not your thing, you always have ghosts, you know, you always have built, you know what I mean? Like, like, it's not, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying like, I'm going to take sides in the camp. I mean, but you know, it's like they're, they're giving you different avenues to, uh, you know, enjoy your fandom and, and, and be passionate about the, the franchise and the property. Yeah. You know, it, it's like, sometimes you want a steak or, or you know, sometimes you want just chicken nuggets and Amazon's is definitely uh, a steak, I think. <laughs> a steak with creepy spider webby thing of the bobs <laughs> that steak that like has weird beetles that poke out of the steak and do stuff yeah, yeah. so yeah it, it, i i could see this getting a little a little blue cupcakey i mean it seems like there's some some creepy experimentation and weird stuff going on but i'm, I'm kind of curious to see how it all turns out you know i i, I imagine there's going to be lots of interesting twists and turns and and hopefully some of the the mysteries they're setting up you know, will be, you know, uh, interesting reveals and, and, you know, have a good delivery based on, you know, the, the sense of, of, uh, you know, mystery they're trying to convey within the initial episode. Well, unless you have anything else to add, I think we'll, we'll close the book on Common Rider Amazons. And after a brief word for some commercials, we'll move on to Ultraman 7X. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I like um, I like the Amazons. I mean, at least you know, I, I guess you know, I, I am sort of taking sides because I'm like, oh, at least it's not Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, but if he was talking shit about Drive, I was going to be mad because I'm like, I like Drive. So. Black Canary. I'll need a sparring partner. some leggy dame in nylons or have i answered my own question ladies and gentlemen it's time for magic black canary and zatanna together in one podcast i'm ryan daly and i've got a thing for superheroes in fishnet stockings that's why i started power of fishnets a black canary and zatanna podcast Join me every two weeks as I celebrate the Blonde Bombshell and the Mistress of Magic in their exciting adventures published by DC Comics. Power of Fishnets, available on iTunes and at fireandwaterpodcast.com.
Hey guys, so welcome back. This is Derek, and of course I am joined here by Justin, and we're back from the commercial break, and as promised, we're also going to be talking about another made-for-the-adult tokusatsu connoisseur show. It is titled Ultra 7X. Ultra 7X is the 21st entry in the Ultra series, and it's basically a revival of the classic Ultra 7 series, but it actually kind of, kind of it's it, I guess there's some parallels between Amazon's and that, you know, Amazon's, as we just described, is a little more recent show, you know, airing currently, and it's also being streamed, but, but it was made for, you'd say, a more adult audience, and it looks like Subaraya Productions intention with the ultra 7x series was to be made exclusively for an adult audience but in the time it was released it was released in late 2007 and so it basically the, I, I guess the evidence that is cited as it being made for a quote-unquote adult tokusatsu audience is that well number one it was one of the first shows that was made in a widescreen high def format so obviously you're thinking you know kids don't care about high def television and widescreen and all that stuff right so there there's that aspect to it and then also it was the idea that when it aired it was airing at like two in the morning on the different Japanese networks. So it's not like this was something that was like, hey, kids, come home after three when you come home from school and watch Ultra 7X. You know, it was like something that was like airing in the middle of the night, basically. So it's kind of like when you used to stay up and watch, you know, Freddy's Nightmares or something. It's like this was like, this is adult. And it's like after eight o'clock and they can show you Dennis Franz butt if they want to on, you know, Ultra <laughs> 7X. You know, it's like obviously it had a more, you know, and, and people can say curse words occasionally or something like that. So so I think that was sort of the main the main notion why, you know, people kind of say it was made for a more adult audience. And we're going to be talking about the first episode of Ultra 7X, which is titled Dream. And of course, like Justin, I'll be just going into, I, I guess I am doing a blow for blow, like nitty gritty synopsis of like every little thing that happens. So, you know, of course, check out the episode yourself if you want to, but I'm going to go into sort of the nitty gritty details and I figure we'll, we'll talk about it as we describe what's going on. But basically in the first episode, Dream, we open on some bubbling water and the face of a man and he's sinking to what kind of looks like the bottom of the ocean. And then we see this quick flash of a shadowy female figure and she's covered in smoke. And then all of a sudden we go to like this smoky dissolve to see this kind of futuristic city and it's raining in the background. And then the man who we saw sort of falling to the bottom of the ocean, he actually quickly awakes as if he's just waking up from a dream and he pulls out this futuristic looking sidearm. And then he checks a wristband that he's got, and he looks around, and then he's in this kind of sparse and white room, and basically, like, he's looking around kind of like it's completely unfamiliar to him, like he's never been in the room before. And then he walks up to the window drapes, and he opens them up to reveal this futuristic Blade Runner-esque cityscape with neon lights and holographic imagery of newscasters. So it definitely gave me that kind of... Blade Runner feel and there's some exposition that's going on that states from the newscasters that the Takizama administration is being interviewed on the apprehension of evil aliens 
is. So the man in black isn't sure exactly where he is, but just that he's no longer dreaming, he's not falling to the bottom of the ocean. He turns around to find a beautiful woman in white. He asks her who he is, and she's really unresponsive at first until there's like this big strong noise encroaching on the two of them. And then she basically tells the man in black, it's them. And she quickly gives him the Ultra 7 glasses and tells him his car is waiting for him downstairs. She's not going to tell the man in black who he is, but just that she wants him to save the world. So she pleads with him to believe in her as she tells him to go. The man in black then leaps out of the window of a tall building, and he's basically plummeting to the ground, and then his wristband glows and slows his descent so that he lands like a cat, or kind of like Iron Man when he does his, like, Iron Man land. And then he reaches the ground level, so, like, he's totally fine. It's like his wristband took care of it. And then he looks up just in time to see that white room he was just in explode! And he's like, holy crap. And so he ends up starting his car, and he drives off in the rain. And the man in black is still kind of unclear what the hell's going on. There are these news drones still that continue to exposit all this information. The man in black is still unclear exactly what's going on, but there are these news drones that continue to exposit information, such as Hibata from Maximum Corporation selling viewers on the merits of automated navigation, like those cars in iRobot or like we kind of have today. So the car has a GPS that points the man in black to the Delta Area K9, room 906, and the man starts to wonder if this is his home. And once he arrives at the room, his handprint allows him access to another fairly sparse room with empty drawers and suitcases. He takes a note of a dripping water faucet, which triggers cuts to the opening sequence where he was sinking in the ocean from before. And then nearby a lamp, he picks up a turned down photo frame that reveals an empty white background where a photo would normally be. The bright light shines through the dark curtains in this room, and what looks like a cheap CGI explosion is actually just another news drone reporting on the explosion we witnessed moments earlier. The quote-unquote Department of Information, as they are self-designated, appear to be covering up what actually happened by stating the cause of the explosion with a gas leak in the building. And then just then, the man in black's wristband goes into alert and calls him out by name. The organization Deus is contacting Agent Jin on a new mission. His instructions, if he chooses to accept them, are to go to Club Delphi and meet with Agent K. K-E-I, not Tommy Lee Jones. Although he quickly asks who Deus is, he gets no answer from the, wrist or the, the wristband other than the directions to Club Delphi. And then a flash cut later, Agent Jin is walking down the stairs into this lively club with music pulsating through the stairwell. He enters where this like super hot waitress tells him his companion is waiting for him at a table. And then Agent K raises a glass to beckon his new partner, who he calls Rain Man Jin, over to the table. K tells Jin he looks as if he was just dumped by a woman, and Jin asks K who he is to which K is, of course, dumbfounded. 
Jin explains the last few minutes and how he remembers nothing prior, and Kay wonders if he's putting him on. Then he takes him seriously enough to pull up Jin's own agent profile on the wristband, which they call the VC or Video Seaver. And he's like, that's you, you're Agent Jin. Codename Agent Jin, because nobody calls anybody by their real names in Deus because they don't actually know them. Kay tells Jin if he's really amnesic to go to the medical center and hit up the hottie boom body nurse. When Jin persists, Kay tells him Deus agents seek out aliens that have secretly infiltrated Earth and eliminate them. Agents are scattered worldwide, and currently one of the club's customers is thought to be an alien infiltrator. Jin shows Kay the Ultra 7 glasses, which Kay imagines as a present from a woman. As Kay wishes for a girlfriend, the hottie waitress comes back to the table to give Jin a drink that he didn't even order. And like me, Kay thinks she's a total cutie. With the drink, there's also a warning note about the woman standing in front of the monitor at 11 o'clock. There's this, like, scary, like, white-haired, crazy-looking woman, and, like, she's really, really close to the screen, and you're like, why? I'm like, didn't your mother teach you not to stand so close to the screen? But anyway, she's standing really close to the screen, she turns to her colleagues, and, like, Jin can kind of sense that this woman is the alien threat, and so he and Kay head after her. And then, meanwhile, the hottie woman in white from before has somehow survived that massive explosion, and she's actually made her way to Club Delphi as well. And then they flash cut to this puddle-filled alleyway, because it's been raining this whole time, and Jin and Kay turn the corner, and then that crazy-eyed alien woman and her four Secret Service-looking bodyguards basically stop, and they're waiting for the two Deus agents. They race towards each other and begin to fight, and even though I'm not, like, a huge fan of the Matrix, I can't deny that this action sequence is pretty good, and it's very Matrix-inspired, if anything else. You know, they have all the kind of slow-mo and Matrix time stoppy stop stuff going on when they you know kick and throw punches and stuff like that and basically yeah. it ends with the crazy-eyed alien woman leaping over Jin and trying to make a getaway and then Jin heads after her with the sidearm I believe it's called the ultra gun and Kay stays behind to continue fighting the bodyguards and then they flash cut to this abandoned building that's kind of circular looking and Jin follows the alien lady inside and as he makes his way through the concrete halls this alien woman watches as this old man is sitting back and playing chess with himself and they describe their operation on earth like a game of chess with hidden pieces which are about to bring about checkmate they've learned all the rules of earth's game and they're about to declare victory and then on cue, this gigantic kaiju named Galkimes appears in the futuristic city. And then all the news drones are basically advising all the citizens of the giant life form in the Delta area. And they're telling them to take refuge. Where they're going to take refuge from this giant thing that's ripping up the city, I have no idea. But basically the news drones are like, take refuge, like run away. And then this chessman alien invites Jin into the room, having sensed his presence, and the circular building that they're inside transforms into a spacecraft, and it starts to basically rise above and uh, rocket off into the sky. And Jin asks the chessman if he erased his memories, and of course the chessman has no idea what Jin is talking about, and wants to know who Jin is as badly as Jin does. 
And then the lady in white appears out of nowhere. She, of course, has her own ultra gun and tells Jin again that he is the savior of the world and tells him to fight. And she appears to join him because she's got that ultra gun of her own. So there's a bunch of kung fu and laser gun, fighty fighty, run run stuff. And then they reach a dead end and begin to talk. And Jin asks the lady in white what she meant by calling him a savior. And she tells him he will know if he uses the Ultra 7 glasses. So then Matrix bullet time laser blasts are like headed towards them. And you think they're going to do like a Keanu thing where they sort of, you know, kneel backward or something like that. But they kind of quickly just dodge them like basically it's almost like they just kind of nonchalantly step out of the way and of course since they're headed toward the heroes it hits the concrete wall behind them at the dead end and that creates this big hole in the starship and they skydive out of the starship at that point as they're sort of plummeting in free fall Jin puts on the ultra 7 glasses and there's this huge flash of light and by the time it hits the ground we see a giant red palm placing the lady in white on the ground, and from the reflection of her widened, gaping eyes, we can see Ultra 7X. So it's pretty cool looking. Then the Kaiju Gakimes continues to attack the Delta area, and he's like ripping up buildings, and doing like these laser blasts and exploding stuff. And as he's doing this, this boomerang like weapon known as the Eye Slugger hits the monster in the back. And now the news drones are covering the fight between Ultra 7X and Galkimes. And again, you know, they've got all these kind of like Matrix time kind of slow moves where people are, you know, doing backflips and backflip kicks and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, I, I guess even though I keep calling it Matrix type stuff, the other thing it did kind of remind me of is like Stephen DeKnight produced action pieces on tv now like spartacus where you know everything's like you know kind of like they, they they're running into battle but then all of a sudden it goes slow-mo at certain key moments where they're you know pulling out swords or cutting off people's heads or whatever it is and so it, it reminded me of that as well where it's like they're you know they're leaping in this cityscape and having fights but it does kind of slow down and and sort of give you some key moments and basically then while they're fighting the spacecraft gets between the two combatants and opens fire on ultra 7 to very little effect because he's just effectively or effortlessly blocking these cannon blasts and then this time he takes his eye slugger which is basically the the sort of fin that's on his head you know he can take it off and throw it and so at this point he, he throws it straight past that ship and he totally decimates Galkimes. Like, now Galkimes is deader than fucking dead, and Ultra 7X does not fuck around, and he looks at the fucking spaceship when it's trying to, like, meander away, and he just fucking takes his little I-beam blast and blows it to Kingdom Come. And I'm like, yeah! And at that point, like, Agent K, the, the hottie waitress from before, and the lady in white are all watching in amazement, you know, whether it's from the actual location or the, the TV screens with the newscasts and everything, as Ultra 7, you know, does a swash, you know, and he flies off into the sky and everything. And so then we, we 
basically quickly go to Jin, who's now back in human form. He's checking in with Kay, and he's listening to the news drones, because now they're all speculating if Ultra 7X is the world's savior, and you know what it means that he's arrived. And Jin has this quick memory flash of a garden with two older men and an older woman. And then, you know, Jin decides, like, look, I might not be able to believe everything that's going on here, but at least at this point, I'm determined to protect the world with this newfound power of Ultra 7X. And that's pretty much the end of the episode. And we cut to what I think is another cool song that kind of reminds me of how I used to like to rock out to the Ultraman Nexus theme song. And the end song is Another Day Comes by Pay Money to My Pain, which reminded me of the DOA song, you know, too, because it's kind of got that whole rocky, you know, it's sung in English and it's kind of like a a rock out song and everything. I always liked this song. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I thought it was a pretty cool song. And, and, And I've always... I mean, I, I think for me, like, I've always liked this this piece. I mean, it was something that TV Nihon subbed early on after, I, th- I think it was after Ultraman Nexus. But I really enjoyed the show, I think, just because, again, I was probably in the right age range. I was the quote-unquote, you know, 20-something, you know, quote-unquote adult, you know, that was, like, going to get into it and stuff like that because it kind of had the whole, you know, it... it, it it was one of those things where it had a bunch of cool civilian characters because they were agents too. And, and the women are beautiful. I mean, you know, they're just gorgeous and stuff. So it's like, I I guess, you know, if, if some of the argument is like, all I watch tokusatsu or kaiju (laughs) movies for is like the, the kaiju and the fighting and the tokusatsu and stuff like this to me made it like, well, not only am I getting, a bunch of cool tokusatsu and fights and kaiju and and action and everything but i'm also getting like these two beautiful ladies and i'm sure if if women watch this like they're two good looking guys and and k is very personable and like a funny dude and and you know and and jin basically is like your you know atypical cable wolverine guy like i'm a badass i'm all in black I can do anything, but I don't remember who I am or where I've come from, and uh, I must find out. But in the meantime, I will kick total ass until I do. <laughs> you know, so it's like I, you know, I mean, it, it, it's it's not it's not super complex or anything, but but to me, it was always very very enjoyable. Yeah, like for me, like I I only watched this maybe three, four, maybe five years ago, so it's it's not been that long, but it's been long enough for, to where. I mean, my memory is kind of murky of, of certain events, but um, you know, you mentioned the the Matrix early on in describing things, and that's that's one of the things that kind of reminded me of this series. Like some of the stuff did this come in at, in like two thousand six or two thousand seven? I think yeah, it was two thousand seven. So, so yeah, yeah. So yeah, the the Matrix had been you know several years ago, but it still kind of it it had that feel to it. But another series that it reminded me of was it kind of reminds me of Garo. Okay. And I don't know. Okay. If, I don't know if you ever watched that, but Garo was uh, was another Toko series that was also like for adults. Um, basically, it was about a golden knight who was, you know, his task was to defeat these demons called horrors, um, and it was very like moody, you know, kind of like this and Amazons, and it was kind of a mix of like horror, film noir, and you know, and like Toku action and uh, like. As Tony would say, like it totally had titties in it. <laughs> <laughs> totally, 
No, that that sounds pretty cool. Though I've never I've never seen Garo, but I mean the way you describe it, I mean it sounds like it it fits into this echelon of of Toku show, you know, where where they were going for that whole, you know, yeah, this is this is late night Toku with hot ladies and and violent action and everything. And 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 kind of I I think it's good that you mentioned the whole film noir angle to it too because it does very much i mean that's that's why i brought up the blade runner comparison because yeah. it, it's sci-fi it's you know yeah maybe there's a lot of a little cyberpunk aspect to it but i mean in, in the grand scheme of things it is a very film noir like i woke up in a room and i had a dream that i was drowning and now i don't remember who i am but now i've got a wristwatch tell it you know i've got you know basically some notes telling me to go to a club and and then there are these hot ladies, and I met this guy who says he's, you know, uh, you know, my fellow, you know, uh, detective or whatever, you know, and 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 you just kind of go from there, and we're we're the here to hunt down aliens, you know, and and that kind of thing. So I was like, you know, I, I I think this is this is a pretty fun series. I mean, I remember enjoying it a lot when I first watched it, and I I I was not. It's not one of those things where I revisited it. You know, obviously, I probably saw it in, you know, 2007, 2008, but it's not like I'm revisiting it going, oh, this isn't as good as I remember. It's more like, I was like, yeah, this is still good. The, the ladies are still beautiful, and the, you know, the action is still fun, and the, the Toku stuff is still cool. Like, I, I enjoy it. Yeah, I really liked it too. And I know I've said this on uh, different uh, shows that we've did, but like Ultra 7 is my favorite. He's my favorite of the Ultras. So, you know, a series called Ultra 7X is going to get my attention anyway, and, you know, it, it helps that it's kind of a, a different spin on things. It's more, you know, adult and moody and, you know, that sort of thing that we've already mentioned. So, like, that just that just means I'm going to, like, I'm going to watch it even more, and I like this first episode, and I, you know, I ended up watching the whole series, you know, like I said, several years ago. So, it, it's a really, it's a really enjoyable thing. It's a, diff, a different twist on Ultraman and especially Ultra 7 Mythos. Yeah, I mean, as, as far as I know, I mean, you know, who knows, maybe we'll have to revise this later on, but I, I this is not something that's currently on Crunchyroll, but you never know with all the the popularity that the Ultra series seem to be having on Crunchyroll, there there seems to be like new new series announced every every couple months or so that there's some new you know, Ultraman property that is now available on Crunchyroll. So you never know. I mean, it, it may be something that's available there, you know, eventually at some point. But yeah, I mean, and and it's not, you know, I, I think I think the another thing that's important, and this applies to probably Amazon's and Ultra 7X is if you're one of those people that's like, I'm, I'm scared, you know, like, I'm scared, like, Kamen Rider and Ultraman have all this history, and most of the <laughs> series, like, when you start them, it, you know, it's it's almost a guarantee, like, oh, these are, you know, 50, 52 episodes, you know, like, like I, I can understand why you're like, oh, well, that's a big time investment, like, I'm not sure, like, I'm kind of skittish, but, you know, this is not so bad, you know, I mean, it's like Kamen Rider Amazons, yeah, it's an hour-long drama, essentially, but... It's, you know what, it's going to be like 13 episodes total or something yeah. like that. And this is like, I think, 12 episodes total or something. So it's like, it's not like, you know, it's not like we're saying, oh, you have to watch, you know, 
Mobile Suit Gundam, Zeta Gundam, and Double Zeta Gundam. You know, it's like, and you're like, whoa, that's like 150 episodes or whatever. It's like, it's it, you know, we're not asking you to, you know, watch One Piece or anything like that, where it's like yeah. seven million episodes. It's like, this is like, look, <laughs> you can watch War in the Pocket. It's six episodes, and you'll get a good idea of what Gundam's like. Or you can watch, you know, 0083 and learn about Ko and his carrots, and you've, you've only spent like maybe two and a half hours on it. You know what I mean? Like, on the whole series. So, you know, it's it's not, you know, hopefully maybe that's another selling point for both of these is it's not something that is, you know, I mean, obviously, if you like it, you like it and, and you'll watch, you know, the series regardless of the length or something like that. But if, if that is kind of a initial hurdle in, in your in your thought to to try out either of these series, like it's not, neither of them is going to be a huge time investment either. I've, I've pointed out different things in Amazon's where I'm like, you know, this is a homage to like the show series, but like it, it, it adds to my enjoyment and I like, you know, I like pointing these things out, but like you totally don't need any foreknowledge to like watch Amazon's or ultra seven. Yeah. Yeah. You, um, you can come to it fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Or even if you want to go back and watch the original show series, you know, like I said, it's only like 26 episodes or something like that. It, like it's not a huge investment of time either. So, you know, any any of these shows would be good. For, like, if, you know, if you've been listening to our various Toku shows and you're kind of still undecided and you're like, you know, I don't know where to start. Like, any one of these three would be, like, really good to yeah, start with. Yeah, uh, the original Amazon is subtitled by High Notori fan subs. And then I know Ultra 7, the original Ultra 7 series, I think is still on Hulu or maybe the Shout Factory, Shout Factory web, yeah. website. <laughs> So, yeah. so you can definitely check those out there for sure. All right. Well, I, I think that kind of covers both Amazons and Ultra 7X for this, this first outing. If you've enjoyed listening to Justin and myself discuss both Amazons and Ultra 7X, of course, let us know. We have an email address at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. You can, of course, always check out all our shows on the Blogspot. It's fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. We have, like, the proper fanholes show that we do kind of monthly now. And then we've got a bunch of other cool spin-off shows, as we like to call them, including this, which is, you know, Toku Thursdays. But we've also got Mobile Suit Mondays, Sentai Saturdays, and Transformers Tuesdays. So if you like this kind of stuff, you know, you may like some of the other spinoff shows or the proper shows. We kind of hope you, you listen to all of them, but we understand if you have a specific focus and you enjoy just, you know, listening to the Toku stuff and, and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, basically we are on all kinds of cool social media. We're on the Facebook, the Twitter, the Tumblr. We are on Stitcher Radio and iTunes. So, of course, you can stream us on Stitcher. Um, we're on Podbean, of course, and, you know, we appreciate all the likes, the reviews, the feedback, and all that kind of good stuff. And, of course, we, we've gotten a lot of good support for Toku Thursdays, I think. I think there's been a lot of positive, you know, commentary and, and stuff, especially, you know, talking about Gaim and different things like that. And, you know, we're obviously trying to talk about different other common Rider series, and, and we have a good time kind of combining them with some of the Ultraman stuff as well. So, so we hope you kind of enjoy the, you know, the, the divergence or the similarities, those kind of things. And I guess until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, signing off. Hey, this is Justin. Some slow,
Be talking smack about Kiriko. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm like, I'm like, you're gonna ruin my whole plans to have a, a, a mock spinoff series where it's like American right the mock Amazon. Does he? Does he not talk? Like, does he like do the Tarzan grunty grunty thing for all 24 episodes, or does he learn how to speak English? Eventually, he learns like English uh, or, or Japanese. Japanese pretty well. I'm yeah. like, I'm all, I'm all centric. I'm all, I'm all Anglo-centric. <laughs> does he learn English? It's like never. <laughs> he never learns English, but he does learn some Japanese. Okay, cool. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. All right. 